this is Leah, and welcome to this week's Hashtag For Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. Well, welcome. Uh, really glad that you are joining us again uh, today. If it's your very first time, uh, my name is Joel, and I am one of the pastors here at the church. Uh, today, I want to land on the question of what do you think is the most important thing that Jesus has done? When you think about Jesus, and maybe you know a little bit about Jesus, there's many important things that he did. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He, he taught in incredible ways. He, he, he lived the perfect life. But if you're to answer the question, what was the most important thing that Jesus has done, what would you say? Or maybe phrase it a different way. What is the most important thing that Jesus can do for you? Well, that's the question we're going to, going to dive into here today. It's, it's a question that actually lands us in a much bigger series. Last week, we began a series looking at the person of Jesus, and we're following the story of Jesus through the gospel of Mark. Now, now Mark is one of the books in the Bible. Uh, Mark's writings are inspired by God as he followed the teachings of the apostle Peter. Now, now Peter was, was someone who was close to Jesus, and as he would go from town to town telling others about Jesus following his resurrection, Mark would have been there, and he would have been listening, he would have been taking notes, and then the gospel of Mark is, is what we have in terms of the teaching and the preaching of Peter. And so for the next number of weeks, 12 weeks actually to be exact, as we lead into Easter, we are going to take a deeper dive into the person of Jesus. And my hope is that you will learn new things. But more than that is that you will learn the person of Jesus and what he desires for you. And so can I make a suggestion? Um, would you consider joining us for the next number of weeks, whether it's online, whether it's in person, whether it's a little bit of a hybrid of both, so that we can continue to learn together? Second thing is, would you take the time to actually read the Gospel of Mark? It's 16 chapters. It takes you about an hour and a half. And the reason I say that is oftentimes we may read a little bit, a verse, a chapter, a story, a miracle, and we get a bit of a glimpse, but we don't get the full picture. It would be the equivalent of like picking up a novel or a book or and just reading a couple chapters or, or jumping into a movie and, and only read, watching for a few minutes. Yes, you'll get a little bit, but you'll fail to see the bigger picture. I think sometimes that's what happens when we come to reading about Jesus. We, we, we read little stories or we read little bits here and there, but we fail to see the bigger picture. And so we take time, an hour and a half, to read through Mark. We've got a number of weeks to do it. You can do it a number of times and then continue to join us week by week as we learn uh, together. So if you didn't watch last week, you want to go back and watch it, that's great. If not, get you caught up to speed real quick. The Gospel of Mark essentially revolves around three critical questions when it comes to Jesus. Number one, who is Jesus? His identity. I mean, there's lots of things that are said about Jesus. Teacher, healer, miracle worker, Messiah, like which one is it? So we're going to look at the identity. Second one is, well, what is his purpose? What is he all about? I mean, Jesus did a number of great things, but what was the most important thing that he did? That's really going to be the focus of our conversation today. And then the third question, which will always revolve back to every single week, is, well, now, what is my response? As we learn more about Jesus and more about what he did, what is my response? So so that Jesus does not simply become a historical figure, but he becomes a person who can transform our lives. Well, today we're going to turn to Mark chapter 2, and we're going to look at this encounter that Jesus has with a man. 
that as you read it, maybe you haven't read it before, is a rather shocking response that Jesus initially gives. And so I'm going to read it. We're going to talk about the, the context to kind of understand a little bit better. And then we're going to come back to these three questions. How does this story help us understand Jesus' identity, his purpose, and then my response? If you want to follow along, feel free. We're going to throw the words up on the screen as well. But it's, it's Mark chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And this is what Mark tells us. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat, right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praising God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Okay, so there was a lot there, and maybe there was some moments where you're kind of like a bit of shock of like, Why would Jesus act that way? And so the circumstance was this. Jesus had just begun his ministry. He had been teaching. He had been healing. And now he circled back to home. And, and word is spreading about who Jesus is. And so the house is packed. And Jesus is teaching. We're, we're not told what he is teaching. But then suddenly there would have been a little bit of debris, I imagine, starting to fall on Jesus' head. And he might not have noticed it at first, but then bigger clumps and bigger chunks start to fall. And suddenly he and everyone else would have looked up and they would have noticed a man being lowered through the roof. Clearly, whatever Jesus was talking about would have come to a halt. Now, now understand the context a little bit. You may think, like, how did four guys get a paralyzed man up on the roof? Understand that homes in Jesus' day were not like homes in our day. They didn't have the, the real steep peaked roofs. Rather, they'd be flat roofs with a stairwell up, and, and, and the roof would be covered with thatch and clay, typically replaced every year. So it wouldn't have been that big of a deal to actually create a hole and then repair it later. Now, I'm sure the homeowner wasn't totally pumped that this was happening, but it's not completely outside the realm of not that big of a deal. So man is lowered before Jesus, and Jesus clearly gives his attention to him. And then Jesus says something that, for me, for you, probably seems rather shocking, seems kind of rather stunned. Jesus says, my son, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now, it's, it's right here. We'll be like, well, wait, wait, wait a second. Je like, Jesus, um, don't you see what this man needs? That, that's, that's great and all, and we can talk about that later. But clearly this man was brought by his friends not to have his sins forgiven, but so that he could be healed, so that he could begin to walk. Like, like Jesus, can't we, can't we deal with the obvious first? 
In Jesus' day, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal for Jesus to identify the fact that there was sin in the man's life. It was actually the teaching within a lot of Judaism, and many of the rabbis would teach that, that, that bad things happen, that, that suffering and difficulties, and, and oftentimes even, even brokenness physically, is a result of sin. That was a common held belief, which is interesting because Jesus actually refutes that in another place in, in Mark chapter 9. And, and so Jesus says, listen, 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 there are bad things that happen in this world, and they're not always attached to sin. But when Jesus says to this man, your sins are forgiven, there would have been a bit of a uproar in the crowd. You see, there were people that were there who, who were genuinely wanting to be there and learn from Jesus. And there were others, the, the teachers of the law, the, 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 the religious leaders, who were there to kind of catch Jesus in a trap, to kind, of, to kind of suss him out. And they were the ones who would have been completely shocked. And Jesus picks up on it. Because Jesus makes a rather definitive statement. He says, my son, my child, your sins are forgiven. And for the religious leaders, they're like, he, he can't do that. That is blasphemy. I mean, only God can forgive one's sins. Remember the first question around identity? Jesus is laying out his identity right there. He's like, yes, I'm a teacher. Yes, I'm a healer. But I need you to understand, I am more than that. I am the Messiah. I am God. And the religious leaders were none too pleased. Well, it's here that, that, that Jesus is aware of what's going on. And so he... He kind of steps into it a little bit with them. And so he says, listen, listen. He goes, why, why are you questioning this in your heart? Which is easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or to say to this man, get up, pick up your mat and walk? I mean, Jesus is landing at the place of saying, listen, which is harder to prove? Sure, I can say your sins are forgiven, but, but, but where's the evidence in all of this? As opposed to saying, if I can heal you, then you can't deny that. And so this is when there's the ultimate mic drop. Jesus turns to the man and says, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. The man is healed. We're, we're, we're told that, 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 that he is just amazed. He is praising God. And as he walks out, we're told he walks by the stunned onlookers. I mean, it's an incredible encounter. But I, I want to dive in a little bit more because it's in this encounter that, that in many ways Mark addresses these three critical questions. The first one is around identity. Jesus is stating emphatically, I am God. More than a teacher, more than a healer, I am God. I have the authority to, to not only heal, but I have the authority to forgive sins. But then there's the, the second place where, where we land at the question we began with, was what is the most important thing that Jesus can do? Yes, Jesus can bring healing. Yes, yes, Jesus can, can teach. Yes, 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 Jesus can cast out demons. And as we get more personal, we may think, what, what is the most important thing that Jesus can do for me? Well, he, maybe heal my marriage. Maybe, maybe restore my relationship with my kids. Maybe bring physical healing into my life as well. Maybe, maybe help me with finances or, or, or just help me with this decision. That would be the important thing. But you know what Jesus does? He flips it. He, he's aware this man needs to be healed. I mean, he's, he's not naive. He, he knows. But he wants to make the point 
of saying what is most important is not your physical healing, but your spiritual healing. And that's why he turns to the man and says, my son, my child, your sins are forgiven. The ultimate purpose of Jesus, the most important thing that he can do, is not simply give us the desires of this world, but ultimately restore our relationship with God. This encounter with this man is a foreshadowing to what is yet to come. You see, the Gospel of Mark builds towards the cross, Jesus' death and his resurrection. The most important thing, our greatest need to have our sins forgiven. Have you ever, have you ever wondered why the cross is the symbol of Christianity? Because it reminds us, it, it points us again to Jesus' ultimate purpose, to bring not simply physical healing, not simply to give us and grant us the desires of this world, but, but for Jesus to bring spiritual healing, to heal us from the brokenness of sin. So, back to us. What is our response to this? Do we, do we begin to recognize our greatest need is that to be forgiven? Or, or do we like to gloss that over and just kind of put Jesus in the camp of, you know, if you could just kind of grant my needs and my requests, be more of a faith healer than, than that would be great. You see, Jesus is aware of our physical needs. Jesus is aware of our desires. But he doesn't want the things of this world to, to overcome and overwhelm our greatest desire, our greatest need. And that is to be forgiven. That is to be restored. When, when Jesus speaks of the abundant life, a life truly worth living, it's, it's not about getting all of the desires of this world. It's about recognizing that we are forgiven, that, that we are restored, that, that we can be in a right relationship with God, not only now, but forevermore. And when we start to get this figured out, suddenly our desires in this world can begin to change. We may find ourselves in circumstances and situations where, where we may want something and not get it. And we're okay with that because we know that ultimately God is in control. This, this encounter reminds me of avoiding the trap of thinking, if I just get this, then I'll be satisfied. Then I'll be content. And then just this could be, if I just get a better marriage, if I, if, if, if I just have children, if I just get the job I need or the financial security I want, if I just get fame or, or better marks or a bigger church. But that's not what Jesus ultimately wants for us. He wants us to know that we are forgiven, that we are loved, and we recognize our need for him. You see, those religious leaders who scoffed at Jesus they eventually would not only deny him, but they had set out to have him crucified. And they failed to see their need for him. Are, are having desires bad? No. Is coming to Jesus and, and, and asking for, for him to be at work in areas of our life the wrong thing to do? No. But may they not overshadow our greatest need. And that, and that, is to be forgiven. This, 
this story does kind of stun you. It can sort of shock you. But may it reveal to us again that Jesus is God, that he has the ability to forgive sins, and that is his ultimate purpose. That is, that is the greatest and most important thing that he can do. And so the final question, what is your response? Do you recognize your need for Jesus? Not just to help you in the things of this world, but to ultimately forgive you, to restore you, to fill you with that sense of assurance. You see, there's great relief in this, in knowing that getting right with God is, is not about me trying harder or even being better but in recognizing that in Jesus, because of Jesus, I am forgiven. And now everything I do is a response to him. For those of you that are followers of Jesus, maybe this is a, a good reminder, a good refocusing for you, to, to recognize your need for Jesus as your Savior, the one who forgives. For others, this may be the first day that you suddenly realize that, yeah, I need this in my life. I have turned for meaning and purpose in other things, but I need to find it in Jesus. And the first step is saying, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me, restore me, heal me. If that's where you are today, I just want to invite you. I'm, I'm just going to say a simple prayer and just make this your own so that you too can experience the forgiveness of Jesus. Will you pray with me? And so Lord Jesus, we come to you this day Recognize that there's so often there's many things that we need in life. But today will we recognize that our greatest need, what is most important, is that we are forgiven. Jesus, I, I give you my life. I, I, I pray that, that I would know your forgiveness and grace and mercy. May I stop going in my direction and go in your direction. Forgive me, Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, may you know that, that you are forgiven. It may not seem like the, 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 the emotional high that, that you were expecting, but, but the Bible reminds us that, that as far as the East is from the West, so God removes our sin and our transgressions. That that, that Jesus reminds us that, that when we confess our sin, we are forgiven. If you prayed that prayer, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email. Love to connect and just encourage you and follow up with you and, and, and remind you of some next steps for you to take. But this week, may you rest in the hope of Jesus knowing that he is God, that, that he has the power and authority to forgive and to give you new life today and in all of your tomorrow. And so now may the blessing of God, the grace and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the peace and the comfort of the Holy Spirit rest on you today and in all of your tomorrows. Amen.
podcast today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris, our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 10.30 a.m., and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B.ca. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, we have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get back, right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.